Hello and welcome back to Days Gone By, a podcast that's part of the Scattered Abroad Network. My name's Jameson Stewart, and today's episode of Days Gone By is a sermon by Don Walker. And the title of his sermon is He Reasoned of Righteousness, Temperance, and Judgment to Come. Don Walker preached this sermon at the Forest Hill Church of Christ back on back in June 2017. And I hope you enjoy this episode of Days Gone By with Don Walker. Again, we count it a great honor to be able to be here this evening, this afternoon, and to be able to stand before you and to proclaim another portion of God's Word. When we open Scripture, we are privileged to have various discourses, speeches, or sermons, if you please, where we are listening to inspired men inspired by the Holy Spirit, proclaim the word of God. Joshua, the close of the book, where we see Joshua's farewell speech to the people. We read that. We listen carefully. We hear the challenges that are set forth. We hear the call to action. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And it thrills our souls. We come to the New Testament and we turn to the book of Acts. We see that great sermon on Pentecost where Christ is exalted, where the gospel is preached for the first time as a reality that is here. Opportunity for men to obey and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We thrill that Christ is exalted. Chapter 3 of Acts, chapter 7 of Acts. Chapter 13 of Acts, where we see inspired men proclaiming the gospel to a lost world. Sometimes we see that they are preaching to the Jews who were the people of God. Other times we see they're preaching to Gentiles. And even one discourse where we have the Apostle Paul preaching to elders in the church, as we see in Acts chapter 20. There are, however, discourses that we are made aware of that they did happen, but we do not have what is recorded. We don't know what was said. We have an idea. We know the topic. We know the direction, but exactly what was said, we don't know. I would have loved to have been one of the two on the road to Emmaus when Jesus was there opening the old covenant And expounding unto them those passages that spoke of him. That would have been a thrill to hear the Son of God proclaim that message. It's no wonder their hearts burned within them. And then we turn to our text this this afternoon. As we turn to Acts chapter 24, we come to verses 24 and 25. And we see that the Apostle Paul is privileged to have audience of Felix and Drusilla, his wife. And as we look at verse 24, it says that they called Paul in to them to hear. And they called to hear concerning the faith in Christ. As we go through God's word, we recognize that the term the faith most predominantly is used in reference to the revelation of the new covenant, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God. We go to passages such as Acts chapter 8, and we see in Acts chapter 8, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. That would be the same thing as the faith. 
In Acts chapter 8 and verse 5, they preached, or he rather preached Christ unto them. That would be the faith. In verse 35, he preached unto the Ethiopian, Jesus. And in verse 12, he preached concerning the Christ and the kingdom. All of these would be the same idea, the same thought. Paul said, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It would be the same message. All focusing upon Christ. All emphasizing that he is our savior. And if we want to draw near unto God, we're going to draw near through Jesus Christ. Paul said, I've determined to know nothing among you save Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2. And so when he calls to hear the faith... We need to recognize that what Paul is going to speak unto him, what he's going to preach, is going to be the gospel. It's going to be the good news. It's going to be the message that is able to set men free to save their souls. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. And as we listen carefully, all we know about what Paul said is, number one, the points that he made, three of them, and the result. For we read as we conclude this sermon, it says of Felix that he trembled at the message. I would have loved to be able to hear this sermon. I have a sneaking idea that I probably would have trembled also at the preaching of the gospel by the Apostle Paul. But as we consider this message, we know the points that he made. And I'm not saying that this is what Paul said but we are going to strive to develop these three points this afternoon in our lesson. It says that he reasoned of righteousness, of temperance, and of judgment to come. Three main points. A homiletical rule that ought to be followed, many believe. But he reasoned of righteousness. As we study God's word, we learn in Psalm 119 and verse 172, Thy commandments... Or righteousness. And so when it speaks of the Apostle Paul reasoning of righteousness, he's reasoning of that revelation that God has given unto man that sets forth before man the right path to follow. The righteousness of God. His justice. And how he expects us to be just also. To be a people of righteousness. In Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. To the Jew first then to the Gentile. For therein. Talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith. For as it is written the just shall live by faith. The Apostle Paul wanted Felix and Drusilla to understand that God has not left man on his own. But that man is accountable to God. That man is to be subject to the revelation of God. And that God has made his will known unto man. He has revealed himself unto man. As we study God's word from the beginning to the end, we see that revelation. And as we study the old covenant, a schoolmaster, a teacher for us. You and I as New Testament Christians, we do not allow the old covenant to legislate for us, but we do allow it to teach us, for there are great truths to be learned therein. And as we study God's word, in particular his word dealing with his people, the first thing that he does when he delivers his people out of Egypt is they gather around Sinai and he provides for them the law, the revelation. This is my expectation for you, my people. I have set you aside as my people. 
and I am your king. I am going to direct you. I will lay forth commandments for you. And he let them know that when you follow these commandments, I will bless you. I will exalt you among the people. When you follow my commandments, I will fight against your enemies. I will give you victories. I will provide for you my grace. But he also lets them know that if you turn from my precepts, if you turn away from the revelation that I am giving you, that is not a wise thing to do, for I will curse you, for I will stand opposed to you. As we go through God's word, it emphasizes the value of God's word. Psalm 19, the psalm of revelation, emphasizes for us as we begin around verse 6 and 7, it goes forth and shows the value of this written word. It makes wise the simple. It thrills the heart of the righteous. Through God's word, we get understanding. We could take time to go forth and read Psalm 119 and see an elevation of God's word. We see throughout that psalm the emphasis is placed on the value. It's sweeter than honey to my taste. It's more valuable than gold, yea, than fine gold. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Psalm 119 verse 104. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Psalm 119 verse 105. The entrance of thy word giveth light. Psalm 119 verse 130. The value of God's word. And those who love that word, those who delight in that word, those who meditate upon that word are proclaimed to be wise men as they walk in this world. And they are prepared for whatever it may be that the devil may set before us. Whatever challenge, whatever stumbling block, whatever temptation, we have power to overcome if we are people who are familiar with the word of God. It's no wonder that nobility was placed upon those in Berea because they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. The message being proclaimed, they wanted to know for sure it was the word of God. They wanted to know that it was his instruction for them. And so they went, they took a personal responsibility and they searched. Timothy was told to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You've got to put energy into it, effort into it. As we consider the power of God's word, we recognize the value of dedicating our time each day to know what that word says, to understand that word, to be able to take that word and meditate upon that word, to roll it over in our minds. His delight, talking of the righteous man, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That word rolled over, muttering over time and again, so that the man begins to think like the Lord has revealed. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As we see in Psalm, or Proverbs 23 and verse 7. And so we see the value of that word. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 119, verse 97. I'll meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I'll delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Psalm 119, verses 15 and 16. The value of God's word, his revelation, the good news. Jesus spoke of the power of that word. The words I speak, they are spirit, they are life. John chapter 6 and verse 63. 
After the crowd ceases to follow Jesus, he turns to his disciples. Will you two go? To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. Verse 68 of Psalms, uh, or rather John 16. And so we see, or John 6, we see that power that is within that word. And Paul let them know that God has a revelation for you. God has a path for you to walk in. God has made known his will for your life. And you are obligated. We have those today, even in the Lord's church, that speak as if there are those in this world who are not bound by the new covenant of Jesus Christ, who are not obligated to the new covenant of Jesus Christ. The motivation behind that usually is because they have taken false views, those views contrary to God's revelation in areas of marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and other areas. And so they want to water down the truth of God. And so they say that those outside of the body of Christ who have not obeyed the gospel, they're not amenable to the law of Christ. They're not accountable to the gospel of Christ. As we turn to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 12, we learn this principle. That every law has with it a sacrificial system that is associated with it. And as we study carefully God's word, we learn that whichever sacrificial system that we are dependent upon, it is that law that we are bound by. The patriarchs had a sacrificial system. Abraham went up to offer a burnt offering. We remember in the old law, there were stipulations concerning sacrifices for the Levitical system that God gave unto the Jews. And with each one, there were laws. There was God's revelation that would dictate, that would shine a light upon the message of God and the direction that he expected his people to walk within. There is only one sacrifice today upon which men are dependent upon that they can go to and be cleansed from their sins and stand right with God. And that is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that blood was shed to seal the new covenant. As we learn in the book of Matthew chapter 26 in verse 28. So every man is obligated by the word of God. And more specifically today by the new covenant of Jesus Christ. And so you and I have a responsibility to make that message known unto the world. Jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go into all the world and preach this good news this revelation of God, letting them know that Jehovah has spoken. There are the majority, the largest majority in this world who live as if there is no God in heaven, as if he has not made his will known, as if his son never died, and as, as if they will never give an account. But you and I have a responsibility to let them know exactly where they stand. And to do that, we have to be familiar with God's word. We have to know God's word. And we have to take God's word to the lost. Because we have a responsibility, just as Paul did here in this context with Felix and Drusilla, to reason of righteousness. And that righteousness is revealed in the revelation of Jesus Christ, the new covenant. Not only did he say there was a way that God has made known, not only did Paul reveal unto them that God has revealed himself unto us and his will unto us, 
He then goes to his next point, and it says he reasoned of temperance, self-control. You see, it's not enough to know that God has given revelation. Man must bring his, himself in line with that revelation. He must allow the word of God to provide the boundaries upon his life. Letting him know where he can walk and where he needs to abstain. Letting him know what he can do, what he must do, and what he must not do. And he must allow this word to direct his steps, to direct his life, to fashion, to mold exactly who it is that he is. And so it is we see that responsibility. We mentioned this morning, if you'll open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter 1, we mentioned this morning that Peter not only refers back to the book of Leviticus, not only calls men to be holy as God is holy, but he reveals unto man how to do that. Now notice what he says as we look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Now we know the imagery that he's talking about here. We're familiar with this. We know that in the days of Peter that they wore long flowing robes. And they would take these robes whenever they would go out into the field and work, whenever they had to travel hastily, if they were going into battle, they would take these robes and gird up their loins with these robes. They would bring them where they wouldn't be restricted by the flowing robe. Well, that's what he's telling us concerning our minds. We have to bring our minds in line, gird up the loins of your mind, bring it in line with God's word. I am convinced that as we look across our brotherhood today and we look at congregations of the Lord's church that a lot of times would be more viewed as a denomination than they would the Lord's church. I'm I am really convinced that there are members in those bodies that are there because they just don't know what they're doing is wrong. They just haven't been exercised to discern good and evil. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 through 14. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that someone teach you again what be the first principles of the oracles of God. You have need of milk instead of strong meat. We look back in the past in the history, and I'm not talking about history a long time ago. I'm talking about just not too long ago when the Lord's church was known for their Bible knowledge. Members of the body of Christ were known because they were people of the book. If you had a Bible question, they say, well, go down to the country store. Mr. Smith down there, he's a member of the Church of Christ. He'll be able to give you an answer. Oh, they might laugh at Mr. Smith. They might uh, ridicule him. They might call him an old mossback or an old Camelite. But they knew he knew the book. But brethren, the church isn't that way anymore overall. If we're known for anything, we're probably known for our ignorance of God's Word. But we have to allow that Word to bring our lives into line. And so he says, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. You got to be sharp minded. And then you hope to the end. You got to be focused on, on where you're going. And then that will translate into what we do. When Paul spoke of the battlefield, he spoke of the mind. Ephesians chapter 4. You begin with verse 17 and you follow. He says, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. He speaks of them being blind, their understanding darkened, they're ignorant. All talking about the mind concerning their lack of knowledge of God's word. But then he goes on and says, you have not so learned Christ. 
He says, you've learned Christ. You know what Christ's will is. And you don't have to walk in darkness. You can walk in light as he is in the light. 1 John 1 and verse 7. But you have to bring your life in line with God's word. Sometimes I wonder if we're getting it. Sometimes I wonder if we understand and realize that we're talking about more than just an intellectual knowledge of God's word. That we're talking about more than knowing about God. And we are talking about knowing God and having that relationship with God because we are following hard after our God. If he's walking, we're walking with him. If he's trotting, we're trotting right with him. If he's running, we're running right with him. We're not going to let him get away from us. And the way to do that is to focus upon the word of God. And to recognize that it's not enough to be hearers of the word, but we must be doers of the word also. Lest we be like that man that sees his image in the mirror, walks away and just immediately forgets what he looks like. Well, we look into the word of God and we study these things and then we go out and live like the world. How are we any different than the man who made no adjustments and who did not continue in that light? You see, it's more than just an intellectual knowledge. It's more than just an exercise in education. We're talking about a transformation. Being conformed to the image of his dear son, Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. We're talking about a transformation that comes because our minds are renewed. And our minds are renewed by the word of God. A word which we have taken and we have made a determination that we are going to allow it to shape who we are. Not only shape, but define who we are. Not only define who we are, but change who we are. That's the power of the word of God. That's why we are to realize there's a way of righteousness. It's revealed by our God. And you and I have a responsibility to take that word of God and make it alive in our lives. You see, we're talking about more than just words on a page. We're talking about more than just pages between a cover. We're talking about a living power. We're talking about that which is quick, living, and powerful, and sharper than a two-edged sword. That which is able to, as a scaffold, to cut in our lives, removing that which needs to be removed, leaving that which needs to be there, and not only that, but cultivating that which needs to be there also. But to do that, we have to have a ready mind. We have to approach it with a proper attitude. In Luke chapter 8, we read of the parable of the sower. The sower went out to sow seed. That's all we know about the sower. That's all they said about the preacher. I believe he's talking about himself first, but it applies to us in principle. The seed is the word of God. There's the power. The soils, the hearts of men. Falls on four soils, only one soil provides fruit. As we go in Luke chapter 8, and after Jesus gives us the explanation of that parable, this is how he closes. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. Take heed how ye hear. What is your goal this afternoon from this sermon? What do you hope to accomplish from this? I'm confident there are some today in the evening services where they worship that their goal is simply to make it through. That we'll come, we'll sit, he'll get to the end, then we'll go off and be about our business. But what's your goal? 
Are you going to test these things to see if they're so, number one? Has the preacher been true to the book? Are we going to make that discovery by studying to see if these things are so? But not only that, if what we find is true, then are we willing to apply it to our lives even when it may hurt some? Even when it may be painful for us to do it? Even when my obedience may imply that there are those that I love who are going to be lost because they're unwilling to follow the will of God. Am I willing to do that? Is that my goal? In Ezekiel chapter 14, the elders come to Ezekiel and they are questioning him. They're going to ask him, what is the will of the Lord? Now the Lord knows this and he speaks to Ezekiel in chapter 14 and he asks Ezekiel this question, will I at all be inquired of at all by them? In other words, am I going to be questioned by these men what my will is? He says, Ezekiel, these men have the stumbling block of iniquity before their face, and they have idols built up in their minds. What do you mean, Lord? Idols built up in your mind, stumbling block of iniquity. They have their minds made up, Ezekiel. Whatever you say, they're going to take it, and they're going to shape it, so that it fits what they're already thinking. Idols built up in their mind. And they're going to take it and they're going to strain it through their lives. Lives of sin. Lives of transgression. The stumbling block of their iniquities. And they're going to take what you say and they're going to strain it through that. And they're going to hear what they want to hear. Why? Because they don't have a right attitude. Because their minds aren't right. They are not set on what's the will of the Lord so we can do the will of the Lord. In Jeremiah's day, they asked for the will of the Lord, went to Jeremiah, tell us and we'll do it. Ten days later, God told them exactly what it was. They said, oh, well, that's not what the Lord said. We're not going to do that. We got a lot of brethren like that. They got some second cousins in the Lord's church today. Tell me what the will of the Lord is. Well, I'm not going to do that. Well, you see, we have to bring ourselves in line with the will of God. We have to submit unto God's will. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's not but all the time we are responsible to allow the Word of God to shape our lives. Hopefully, your desire here today in both lessons in the Bible class have been that I want to know what the will of the Lord says so that I can bring my life in line with that will, so that I can use that to see if I'm walking in the light as He is in the light, to see if I'm walking in a way that pleases my God. That ought to be the attitude. That ought to be what we want to accomplish. And if we don't get the will of the Lord, if we don't get Bible preaching, we ought to be upset. We ought to be more demanding than that. Now, we're not going to have that. We want the Word of God preached so that we can apply that to our lives and be pleasing unto our Lord. And then, here's the third point. He reasoned of righteousness. There's a way that is right that God has revealed. Temperance, he brought, he called them to bring yourself in line with that will. Why? Because judgment to come. That's why. Because you will give an account of your life before the great creator of this world. Brethren, we don't hear a lot about judgment anymore. We don't hear a lot about, and we, we touched on it this morning because we knew we were going to develop it a little more fully this afternoon. 
As we closed our uh, lesson this morning, remember we went to Romans 1 in verse 18. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, verse 17. And the wrath of God is going to be revealed against those who do not do the righteousness of God. And they're going to stand before God and give an account. And their lives are going to be opened and be exposed. And they are going to be compared to that word that God has given us. In John chapter 12 and verse 48, Jesus makes it very clear. He that rejects my word, words have one that will judge him the last day. The words that I've spoken, they will judge him in the last day. Jesus very plainly, very clearly said, I am going to judge you by the New Testament. It ill behooves us to be ignorant of what the New Testament says. That's what the test is going to be. That's what judgment is going to be based upon. Whatever it says in the new covenant, these are the things that our life is going to be set beside to see if we are following, if we're in line with that word, or if we're transgressing that word. We spoke this morning of God's omnipotence. We spoke of his omniscience, his omnipresence. We spoke of his holiness. We spoke of his grace. We mentioned barely his wrath. And the Bible has much to say about the wrath of God for those who are not walking in the light. For those who are not following the will of God. Be it understood this afternoon, I'm not preaching to the world. I'm preaching to the church. I'm talking to the children of God. And I'm reminded of Jesus' statement in Matthew chapter 7. And I think maybe sometimes we might apply this in a wrong way. Where Jesus says there, there are two ways. He said there is a broad way with a wide gate that leads to destruction. There is a straight way with a narrow gate that leads to life and few there be that go therein. We look at that, well the broad way is for the world, the narrow way is for the church. Not so. Look at the context of Matthew chapter 7. He's talking to religious people. He's talking to those who claim to be followers of Christ. You continue on and he'll say, Say not, not, not everyone rather that says unto me, Lord, Lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. In that day there will be those who will say, Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many great works in thy name? And I will say unto them, Depart from me, ye works of iniquity. I know you not. I know you not. I don't know who you are. Why? Because you're not following my will. He's talking about religious people. He's talking about people in the church. I'm reminded of Revelation chapter 7. John's given a reed, a measuring rod. He says, don't worry about the outer court. Now that represents the world. Why not worry about the outer court? Because they're already lost, that's why. They haven't been saved. I want you to measure the temple of the Lord. That represents the church. You measure the church and see who's measuring up to the standard. See who's doing the will of God. Brethren, I am afraid that in the day of judgment, there are going to be many in the Lord's church who are going to be surprised by what they face. Were we not baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins? Did we not attend every time the door was open? And he'll say unto them, Depart from me, 
you worker of iniquity, for I know you not. The reason is for too many of us, far too many of us, our religion is only defined by this building, by the times that we are here. And we come, we hear, we listen, we behave ourselves, and then we leave the building, we go to our homes, we go to our jobs, we go to our schools, and we are no more different than the world is. We live our lives by the standards that they have set for themselves. We do the things they do, we think the way they think, we say the things they say, and we do not present ourselves as a light shining in a dark place, a light up on the hill that's not covering itself, but letting everyone know that we are children of God, we're going to walk in righteousness, and we want you too, because we know the terror of the Lord. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle Paul says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But there's not a whole lot of persuading going on. We're not as evangelistic as we used to be. And certainly not as evangelistic as we see the church in the first century. Why is that? It might be because we don't know the terror of the Lord. It might be that we haven't thought enough on the wrath of God. And what it is to fall into the hands of an angry God because we have not succumbed to His will. We have not followed what He has told us to do. That we have not submitted ourselves to allow that word to change us, to transform us, to let us stand apart. Jesus said, you're not of the world, for I've chosen you out of the world. And yet too many times we maintain worldliness in our lives and we think just because nobody knows about it, then it's okay. We talked about that this morning. God knows. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7, it speaks of the return of the Lord. And he shall come with his angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting that word vengeance, the Greek word translated vengeance, comes from the same root word that the Greek word righteousness comes from. It's a right thing. It's good news. I want to hear about the faith, Felix told Paul. I want to hear about the gospel. I want to hear the good news. Well, the good news is God's given his way and you can submit to it and you'll be prepared for judgment. That's the good news. Now, there's some sad news there, too, because not everyone's going to turn to the word of God and not everyone's going to allow that word to shape their lives. And therefore, instead of a God who is going to invite them into glory, they are going to come face to face with an angry God and they are going to hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I know you not. They're going to hear, get away from me. And so shall they ever be out of the presence of the Lord. That's what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 1 as he spoke of that anger of God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. For our God is a consuming fire as we see in Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 29 and Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 31. You see, we don't want to stand before our God ill-prepared. We don't want to stand before our God ignorant of God's word. And we don't want to stand before our God having not given the attention to the word of God that we should. And I mean by that, taking that word and allowing it to mold our lives and shape our lives. Defining who we are. Abstaining from all appearance of evil. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22. 
abstaining from those transgressions, whether it be fornication or whether it be idolatry, covetousness, which is idolatry. Abstaining from those things that will separate us from the Lord. Whether it be an idle word or gossip, tail-bearing against our brethren, lying instead of speaking truth. You see, we want to stand before our God prepared and ready. By God's grace, he has provided his word. By God's grace, he lets us know this word is powerful and it will change our hearts and our lives and who we are. And by God's grace, he has let us know there's going to be a day of accounting when we're going to stand before our God and we're going to give an account. Are we ready? Are we prepared? Are we prepared? On the day of judgment, there will be no excuse. We've had the Bible all this time. If we're ignorant of God's word, it's our own fault. If we're knowledgeable of God's word and we haven't applied it, that's our fault too. And if we stand before our God unprepared, it's our fault. We need to understand that. And if we are able to stand in the presence of God, it's because we trusted in our Lord and his grace and his mercy and his kindness we took advantage of his patience and his long-suffering. You see, Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, after he let us know that this world is going to be burned up and dissolved, the elements dissolved, that we're going to give an account, and he asked, what men or person ought we to be? He says, God is not slack, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. It may very well be that we've come to this moment in time to provide for someone in this audience that opportunity. Either to obey the gospel of Christ by believing in Christ, repenting of their sins, confessing his name, being baptized for their remission of sins, rising up so the Lord can add you to the one church that we read of in our New Testaments. To walk with God, a new creature, Understanding that we must now reflect our Savior and not our own will. It might be that we've come to this moment because there's a child of God who has not lived the way they ought to live. Who has not realized and understood the import of knowing God's will and applying God's will and they failed to do so. Our God is a God who longs to forgive as we mentioned this morning. And it might be we've come to this moment for such a reason that perhaps one of his children here today need to confess fault knowing believing that our God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins when we do what he tells us to do we're going to extend the Lord's invitation it's not my invitation it's not yours it's the Lord's it's always open but this is a convenient time for those in this audience it might be you need to respond. And if you do, we encourage you to do so while together we stand and while we sing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.